Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, grow you as a disciple, and help you serve His purpose. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. I'm excited because I believe God is going to be doing some spiritual formation in our lives. Me and my, my group, we're reading a book about spiritual formation and God's doing some revealing and some re- he's given me some revelation about spiritual formation. And I believe any, everything about spirituality is sort of where my focus is at the moment. So I'm excited for this topic. Um, but as you can see, it's called Refresh. We'll get there in a minute. Um, now, but there is sort of an enhanced irony about me bringing this message, and as I said, I love sharing the word, but something I've been waiting for is having my very own live-in, 24-7 preaching illustration, and by the grace of God, eight weeks ago, my, my wife, my beautiful wife, gave birth to our son, Samuel, thank you, and so now I have one. I have one, so anytime I need a preaching illustration, I can just think back to the last eight weeks, stories, adventures, the faces he makes, the moments. Just like any good preacher, I'm going to drag him into my messages as much as I can. Uh, And I I told Pastor Mel that that was, you know, what I was thinking, and she said, well, you've only got a finite amount of time, because eventually they work out what's happening and they ask you to stop. So, whilst I can, I'm going to milk it for all it's worth. And it, it's true what they say about becoming a parent. I'm sure lots of you already know, but I'm, I'm experiencing it for the first time. But immediately, my priorities shifted. I realized I would sacrifice whatever I needed to, to make sure he was happy, to give him what he wanted. Um, but so far, what I've found is mostly he just needs mum. And that's fine. There are some things that I just can't do. Um, but priorities aren't the only thing that have changed. Since becoming a dad, my routine has quite shifted. It has shifted a lot. Um, but also my procrastination has improved, as in I'm not good at, better at procrastinating, I'm better at not procrastinating, because I want to make the most of every moment he's awake. You know, I, I want to get home from work as quickly as I can. Um, I'm developing a new appreciation, though, of what it means to be tired. Um, and that's coming from someone who has had it pretty good so far. I can't really complain. But... My rest is now determined based on when Samuel decides it's time to rest. Um, I have a better idea of just how much I can get done in a certain amount of time. I can work out how much sleep I need to do to have to get through a day. I also know now know what it means to actually be rested versus just you know a weekend on the couch. But so it is somewhat ironic that they've asked the new parent to preach on rest. And as we start this morning's series on Refresh, we're going to be exploring what the Bible says about rest, about Sabbath, about the rhythms of rest that God has ingrained into his creation. And whilst I said I thought it was funny initially, I realized who better to talk about rest than someone who's thinking about it all the time. I like to be rested. I'm sure we all do. Like, let alone, not only does it feel good, like it feels good to be rested versus not, but it energizes me. I get more done. I'm, I'm more on the ball. I feel like I'm at the top of my game when I'm well, well rested. Getting enough rest is important, but it feels like we have a society now where we wear busyness as a badge of honor. 
when you ask somebody how they're doing, nine out of ten times, it's not good, bad, sad, indifferent. It's, I'm busy. How are you going? Yeah, I'm really busy at the moment. We have a society where researchers have found that busyness is literally being seen as a status symbol, where people perceive their own level of busyness as heavily connected to their self-worth, as well as how others might view them. It's become their status. They choose to be busy because it helps them feel needed, in demand and important, thus elevating their status and their feelings of self-worth. You know, common, where we will claim we're most busy is at work, and research has found that last year in Australia, the average Australian worker performed six weeks of unpaid overtime work. And so the, this, this, the research found that there was common experiences, uh, common negative consequences that they experienced were physical tiredness, stress and anxiety, and mentally drained, each affecting about a third of the workers. Over a quarter of workers reported that overtime interfered with their personal life and their relationships. Their busyness interfered with their personal life and, la- and relationships. But also, not only was it outside work, but they actually felt unsatisfied at work. One in five workers identified that working outside schedule hours negatively affected their relationship with the work they were doing. They had reduced motivation and poorer job satisfaction. But I probably don't need to tell you the stats. I just think they're useful to paint the picture of the society we live in. But it's not just work that we're busy. We're cramming our social calendars. We don't want to miss an event, a concert, a a hanging out with friends. We've got FOMO, fear of missing out. We plan trips to the coast. We go to Europe because it's summer over there. We feel the pressure to do more and more things because to be busy is to be successful. We're also in a more connected society where we can travel easily. We're more interconnected. We're one bing away from being in instant contact, you know? One ding of a phone and we can talk to someone. And whilst there's so much goodness that that enables, it also means that we're unable to rest. And don't get me wrong, I know that sometimes there are seasons of busyness. You know, when you, when you start a family, if you start a business, when you've got deadlines to meet, when you're managing all the different changes that can go on in life. And I'm also not saying that being busy isn't bad. As I said before, I feel when, when I'm energized and rested or when, when I'm busy, I feel like I operate better because I have to be on top of it all. So I'm not, I'm not actually saying that busyness is bad. But what's more important is that we get the rest to energize us. I believe that we live in a society that has a difficult relationship with rest. That we are an achievement-based society where stopping and resting seems to run counter to that. We feel judged by both materially and in the experiences that we collect. We feel judged by what we have. So we overload ourselves, we overload our social calendar, all while trying to maintain a perfect home, we do the chores, we go to the gym to maintain a perfect body, we complete our reading list so that we're intellectual and we just keep adding to our to-do list, trying to impress one another. And we don't rest. So what happens when we don't rest? Well, physically our immune system becomes compromised, we become sick more often, 
we gain more weight. We have a higher blood pressure and higher risk of heart disease. Mentally, we lose concentration. We have memory issues. We become more irritable. We have a, a bigger nerve, a bigger button to push. But look, it's very science, so maybe that's just me. We make poorer decisions. And then spiritually, you know, when I'm tired, I feel spiritually compromised. I feel further away from God. Right when I need him to be filling all the gaps in my strength, I end up trying to do more and more of it in my own strength. I work harder. I feel more open to, to temptation and more susceptible and prone to sin. And as I said, we're, in my group, we've been reading a book on spiritual formation and the, the author, Robert Malholland, says that we become, everybody is being spiritually formed by the things around them. And so if you're keeping yourself so busy, you are allowing yourself to be spiritually formed by all the busyness in your world. But when we allow ourselves to have spiritual rest, we let God come in and shape us spiritually through our rest as well. So physically, mentally, and spiritually, we are designed to need rest. And did you know, deep down, we know this. Because what do we work hard to achieve? A holiday? To go and rest. We want that big, beautiful house with the fireplace that we can sit down, rest, and read a book in. We work and work and work. We keep ourselves busy because we want to rest. So, we need it. The universe was even designed for rest. So whilst we're working six, hour, six weeks of overtime each year, doing probably what is menial, mundane tasks, well, let me remind you that God created the heavens and the earth. He created all life. He created all the animals. He created us. He did that in six days. And then we read in Genesis 22, Sorry, 2, verse 2, he says, And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested. On the seventh day, from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. We think we can do it all, so we don't rest, we keep striving. Yet God did it all. He created it all. And he doesn't need rest the same way we do. And yet, he rested. And in doing so, he ingrained rest into creation. You know, we've got day and night. We have the seasons. We have animals that hibernate. We have nearly every culture in the world uses a seven-day calendar because we are ingrained and rhythmed to rest. So I... I, I for all of this is to sort of nail home the importance of rest and why we're looking at it this month. God rested. Throughout his time here on earth, Jesus rested. Rest is mentioned over and over and over again in the Bible. So clearly then God has designed us to need rest and he has given us, spoilers, he's given us a model to follow with how to get our rest. So as I'm sure we're going to find over the next few weeks, that rest is an intensely rich theological topic. And God has a lot to say. He has a lot to say and it's deep. And what I think we're going to find is that the traditions of rest and Sabbath are so much more than just putting your feet up on a Saturday and watching Netflix. 
So I'm excited to see what God is going to do us do in us this month. And personally, I've been going through some revelation, preparing this message and studying and looking into this about rest. And I'm excited to start implementing some of the lessons I've learned into my own life. Because the Sabbath and rest is so much more than just a ritual and a commandment. It's actually part of the way that Jesus lived. And it's something that I want to live and apply in my own life too. So hopefully, you'll join me as well. So as we start off this month, I want to read from Hebrews chapter 4. And I believe that God has three things for us this morning. It's firstly a reminder to you uh, to rest through the Sabbath. The second is that we have access to God's rest all the time. And finally, that we find that rest in Jesus. So let's read. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest." Although his works were finished from the, from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken on the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again, he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterwards in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's place of rest, God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you designed rest into the creation of the universe. Lord, I thank you that you intend for us to rest. You don't intend to us to be machines who just keep going and going and going. So Lord, I pray you reveal more to us about the rest you have for us. Lord, I pray over this next month, will implement things into our lives to help us find our rest in you. Amen. Okay, I know that was a, that's a complicated bit of scripture. And I don't know about you, but I'm someone who, I like to understand what I'm reading. And I'm not a skim reader, so I will go through each word and make sure I really get what's going on. And this passage, I had to read and reread and reread to try and understand but don't worry, I think there is some gold in there for us. But, and all of it is important. To begin, we need a bit of an understanding about this letter the Hebrews received. Now, the Hebrews were a group of Christians who had been Jews. They had been early converts to Christianity. And so they knew all about the Old Testament. They had a rich understanding about all of the Hebrew laws and texts. And so this letter is written to them to encourage them in their new faith in Jesus. 
And so throughout this, this letter, God, the writer, who, who remains unknown, is encouraging them and reminding them of the sufficiency and supremacy of Jesus and that his new covenant is so much better than the old. So as we read Hebrews chapter 4, when it talks about the disobedience of those that had gone before, he's, they, we're talking about the old covenant and the, the, the Israelites who had not entered God's rest in the promised land because of their disobedience. But as I read this and, and draw upon it, I am drawn to verse 9 that says, So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. We are the people of God. And we're a long time from this writing, and yet there remains a Sabbath. I want to know more. I want to know more. And I want to know what, he, what the writer is talking about, that we will enter his rest that we will enter God's rest. Because in, the wor- in our world of chaos, busyness, and continual connection, I'm excited and encouraged to hear that there is a Sabbath rest for us. So you may have heard about Sabbath before. It's a, it's a tradition that goes way back, as I've read, to Genesis, the creation story. That word God rested on the seventh day is he Sabbathed. He Shabbat is the word that's used, and it is where we get Sabbath. So Sabbath is something that goes right back to creation, and it's practiced by the Jewish culture. The the Seventh-day Adventists are good at practicing Sabbath, and it is something that Jesus practiced. But as I... And I didn't really know much about it, though. To be honest, I, I didn't really know much, and as I've studied this passage, what I found is that the word here, the Sabbath rest, is something unique in and of itself, and it connects two distinct... Hebrew ideas being Sabbath, and then the second idea called Manukah. Now, I'm not going to say that again, but that's the word, and this is the broader concept of rest, and combined in verse 9, it becomes Sabbatismo. It's used once in the Bible, which is always interesting. When a, Bible is only, a word is only used once in the Bible, that's interesting. It grabs my attention. So we've got Sabbath, Manukah, And we combine them together. And so the first is Sabbath. Sabbath is a day each week. Oh, I have glossed over an important distinction between the two. Sorry. So we have Sabbath and Manukkah. Sabbath is the day. It's the rhythm. It happens once every seven days. And it's a rhythm, a cycle. And it is a practice that we do. And Manukkah is this concept of rest. It's the idea that there is a rest available to believers that is always accessible. It's a place. It's, a, it's, a con, it, it's, it, it's all-encompassing. It's a spirit of peacefulness, of joy, of contentment, and of safety. And so the way I was trying to think of it is it's like when you go on a holiday and you spend all the time getting prepared. So that's your busyness. And you're rushing through the airport. That's the busyness of the week. And then you get past security and you enter Sabbath and you stop and you wait. And you are just, that you can't do anything. You're just waiting for the plane to board. That's sort of like Sabbath. It's very, very bad illustration, but that's your Sabbath. And then Manuka, this rest, this serene rest is when you get to the holiday and all your time is restful and relaxed. These are the two types of concepts that come together in this Sabbath rest in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. 
But what is Sabbath exactly? Well, we've seen that God, he, he did it in creation. He created Sabbath. But there's two little things that he did with Sabbath. He first created it, and then he made it holy and blessed. You know, he, God blesses three things in the creation story. He blesses the animals, he blesses humanity, and then he blesses the Sabbath. Interesting again, that he blessed the Sabbath and he made it holy. He then commands it in Exodus 20 verse 8 as the part of the Ten Commandments. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. God then honors the Sabbath in Exodus 16 verse 22 when the Israelites are in the, in the uh, wilderness for 40 years. He is bringing them manna. He is laying down the food for them every day. It just comes and they pick it up in the morning. But on the sixth day, it says in Exodus 16, 22, on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. God honors the Sabbath. But it's also not just an instruction to stop and rest, but in Leviticus 23, we hear that the Sabbath is to be a day of celebration, where we celebrate God. In Isaiah 58, verse 13, it says, If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight... Sabbath is a delight. It's a celebration. It's a day where we worship God. It's a time where we stop and we rest and we remove ourselves from the busyness of the world. And as we do that, we take in the world around us. We take in God's creation. We celebrate. We delight in him. We, we delight in the works of the Lord. We let go of our own ways and instead we worship him. That's what Sabbath is. A time to stop and shift our focus to him. So this week and the, and the last few weeks I've been preparing, I've been encouraged to start observing the Sabbath in my own life. Because no, we don't, it, it's no longer something we have to do. But if God did it, if Jesus did it, I think there's something in it for me too. So why don't you join me as we, as we start, as I try and, implement this into my own life and it might take a bit of work to get everything done on a Saturday say so that I don't have to go to the grocery store so I don't have to iron a shirt and I don't have to cook a meal but instead I'm excited to start gathering with people sharing a meal with one another worshipping and stopping so that's the first part the first way that we can enter into God's rest the second thing that we can do is we can just rest in the presence of God, in the menucha. See, this broader concept of rest was supposed to come to the Israelites in the promised land. However, because of their, their disobedience, they were never able to access it. And so the generations to come weren't sure if it was still available to them. That's why the writer of Hebrews is writing it and talking about this Sabbath rest. Rem, he's reminding them that 
even now, even now you can access the rest of God, the presence of God. And you'll see all through that chapter, we kept hearing about a day called today. That was to highlight it's still available to us. Rest in God. And this idea includes being restful, settling in the presence of God, worshipping Him, being safe, secure, at peace, in tranquility, in joy. We were supposed to achieve it in the promised land, but we didn't. Instead, we achieved this through a person. We achieved this through the person of God, through the person of Jesus. It says in Matthew 11, verse 9, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What does this rest look like? Well, Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. In Jesus, we find a rest that is peaceful. It is still, it restores our soul. It's a place of safety and refuge and righteousness. And unlike the Sabbath, we can access this at all times. I promised there'd be at least one story about Samuel. And if you ever wanted to see what it looks like to actually find rest in a person like we find in Jesus. On Monday, Megan and Samuel came to pick me up from the bus stop. He was a bit restless all day. He was a bit tired. And so we were going to walk home together and she handed him to me so I could have a cuddle because I miss him. And you know what he did? He let everyone know on the street how upset he was and how tired he was and how he did not want anything to do with me. And maybe that's not completely true, but he was very upset. He was clearly overtired. And I, I handed him straight back to Megan and he immediately just fell straight back asleep in her arms. I didn't take it too personally. But that's what we are to be like with Christ. You know, we strive all week trying to work and work and work and be good enough. But actually, in Hebrews 4, we read that His work is complete. His work is complete. And so when we need to find rest, we come to God and we we come to Jesus and we say, I just accept your grace. I accept your goodness. And I accept that only through you can I be good enough. We stop our striving, we stop our working, and we let Jesus' sacrifice be enough. We can settle in and we can know that that is all that we need. And as we've read today, we can do that at any time, at any place. So I encourage us to keep trying different rhythms of resting in God, whether it be implementing a Sabbath or finding a place to go to and be at rest. These are, these are all still valid ways of finding rest, but overall, I still want to f- 
remind us that that is all useless unless we find our rest in the right place, unless we find our rest in Jesus. But the first thing you need to do to enter that rest is to actually accept Jesus into your life as your Lord and your Saviour, to accept and, and say to yourself, say to your heart that this is what Jesus did and I accept it for me too. So if you would like to experience His rest, if you would like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, to say that He is enough, I'd like you to pray this prayer with us this morning. And we'll all pray it together. But it's only through Him that we can experience this rest. So why don't you join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, I want you. I want to experience your rest and receive your grace. I want to receive your salvation because I know I'm not perfect and I need you. I ask you to come into my life. I commit my life to you and believe you are who you say you are. I choose you today. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.